Thanks for listening in to the Calvary Podcast, coming to you from Miami, Florida. We're so glad you've joined us. We hope today's message will encourage you and remind you that God is with you and He's for you. Here's today's message. it up for our volunteers. Pretty, pretty cool stuff. Man, I, I love, um, I love your pastors. Um, just been getting to know them and um, they are, I, I love your church and I love your pastors. I think that this is a great place to build the kingdom of God and wouldn't you agree? You could definitely live in worse places. Miami, that's pretty, that's pretty good. You're doing pretty good. Um, and then you guys got Heart for the House coming up, which is exciting. And I've uh, been talking, just hearing different ministries. You guys, you guys have a, basically another church in Cuba right now, which is incredible. Um, yeah. I just love that. I love that uh, this is just the beginning. And you're just scratching the surface of everything that I think that God has for this church. Um, so that's exciting, and um, and I love that this church is is mostly Hispanic. <laughs> I told I think I told the first service. Um, my wife and I I'm Canadian. My wife is Australian, and we we live in Cathedral City in in um, essentially Palm Springs, um, but our neighborhood is a Hispanic neighborhood. We're the only gringos there. Um, <laughs> And so I feel pretty much right at home um, here. Uh, but I just had the most incredible um, little appetizer. We had we had empanadas, Colombian empanadas, <laughs> um, and then we had um, was it Colombian sausage as well, chorizo. That was amazing. And then there was this pork. What? How do you say that? Chicharron? God. That was, that was insanity. I loved it. Like, it's like the chewy and then the crunchy at the same time. Like, that's a miracle. And then, what was the, the cheesy bread called? I'm not even going to try to pronounce that, but thank you. Thank you. It was pretty, it was hectic. Um, so just, um, I'm loving... Um, the experience and, and getting, I feel like you guys are just a big family and I just really, I love that feel in a church. It's, it's a good, it's a good vibe. Speaking of family, um, I'm wondering if you could just, I want to FaceTime my niece. Hi, Georgie. Hey, look, look at Georgie. I'm at church. Look, can you say hi to everybody at church? Say hi. Hi. I love you. I'll see you tomorrow, okay? Hi. Say bye bye. Hi. <laughs> I told her I'd FaceTime her and show her church. So that's my niece. I'm, obs- I'm obsessed with her. Um, she, uh, my, my brother in law, and, and my. Uh, the man who married my sister, and then, um, 
<laughs> and uh, he's one of my best friends, and uh, he runs the Theos University with me. And so they, they moved down. Um, and so I get to hang out with the kids, and it was awesome. Um, having, I had, have to, like, watch them grow up in Canada. It's been horrible. So now they're in Palm Springs. And anyway, so that's my, you just, that's my life, basically. And then I'm married to Jasmine, who is really my life. Um, we've been married for seven years. She's, she's Australian. It's pretty cool. And um, she, uh, we're, we've been married for seven years. And seven years is like the, um, seven year is like, the, the seventh year is actually the year of divorce, believe it or not. I don't know if you know that, but most people get divorced, like on average, the seventh year. And the professionals say that the reason why it's the seventh year is because we, uh, us, us humans, are we love to control the narrative. We project onto our, our partners the idealized spouse. Um, so essentially, and it takes seven years for you to basically let that person know that you aren't the person who they thought that they married. They married. You know what I'm saying? So like we're in that stage right now where I'm getting to know who my wife really is and she's getting to know who I really am. You know, like, what? What do you mean? Like, you love spaghetti. I'm like, babe, I've been telling you for seven years that I hate spaghetti. You know what I mean? Well, I would never marry somebody who didn't like spaghetti. You know what I mean? Like, that's, that's kind of how... And people can't control the narrative anymore. And, um, and so... We're, we're in this, this state. I'm getting to know Jazz. And, and one of the ways that you're supposed to get to know somebody, and this is, I guess, kind of how relationships work. I'm new at it. I've only been married for seven years. Some of you people who've been married for longer than seven years would know this. But I guess what you're supposed to do is you're supposed to listen to that person. It's insane. Um, and you, you listen to them. You allow them to self-define. You don't project onto them who they are, but you allow them, you, you let them talk and tell, okay, who, you, who are you? And then you listen and you find out what they like. This is crazy. And then you do what they like. Right? So simple, yet so difficult. Right? Because we don't want to love people the way that they want to be loved. We want to love them the way that we want to be loved. And it's really, really hard. Um, so I'm in this stage right now in my relationship where I'm learning about jazz, you know, kind of in a, in a, in a fresh way and trying to pay attention because I want to be a good husband. And, and um, so uh, I'm just trying to notice the, de- this, you know, small details. Like in Canada, if you order breakfast, you know, they bring out eggs and the bacon and maybe some beans and and then you eat the important stuff and then there's toast that's left over and then you you know, you wipe your face with the toast and you throw it on the ground because toast in Canada is essentially garbage, you know? But in Australia, toast is like a main course. Dude, like, they get a thick piece of, of sourdough toast and then they put avoco, avocado, 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 <laughs> avocado on top of it and then they'll charge you $25 for that. And, and, and Australians will go nuts for that. Um, so I'd, I'd never thought in a million years to love my wife by buying her toast. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, it just never occurred to me in a million years. Uh, when, my, when my wife loves something, her eyes roll into the back of her head, you know? So that's a tell of, okay, I need to get this for Jazzy next time. You know, like, she does that. It's hilarious. So, okay, you know, make, making mental notes. She loves sushi, you know, rolled eyes in back of head. Um, my wife uh, drinks alcohol. I know. I'm praying for her. Um, she loves to drink Pinot Noir. That's her wine of choice. Um, I prefer a Cab Sav, a, a California Cab Sav. It's richy, it's jammy, it's flavorful. When I drink it, I think like I'm like ratatouille, you know, with the flavor explosions, pairing it with great, with cheeses, you know, like very elegant. Um, 
And my wife drinks Pinot Noir. Pinot Noir is a super transparent, neutral grape. So neutral and transparent that you can taste the ground that a Pinot Noir was grown in. You know what I'm saying? It's like, it's dirty. You can, you can take, shale rock, you know, like, and then on the nose, a Pinot Noir is, it smells like a, a freshly opened pack of tennis balls. So it's, I'm dead serious. So it's rubbery on the, on the nose. It's dirty on the palate. I'm not drinking that. Do you know what I'm saying? But my wife, but my wife likes it and I love Jasmine. And so I, I, I get her the Pinot Noir, right? You hear me? Smart, exactly. It's, it's self-survival is what it is. Um, but that's a relationship, right? Like a relationship is you, you, you find out that person. And, and would you agree with me that we don't begrudge people their personal preferences? Right? Like, would you agree with me that you don't come into somebody's life and tell them what they like? You find out what they like. And then you love them the way that they want to be. You hearing me? And we don't begrudge people. I don't understand why Jazzy likes Pinot Noir. Totally, but she likes Pinot Noir. So you just get with the program. You, you agree with me, right? God is not an impersonal cosmic force. God is not an energy or a vibe. God is a person, and as a person, He has preferences. In fact, the Bible is God's self-definition. There's a lot of people who like, well, my Jesus is like this. Well, totally, but that's your God. That's not God. See, we do it in our relationship with God, right? I could never serve a God who is like X, Y, Z. Yeah, well, that's great. You know, but God is not you. And he has preferences. And you don't need to understand them. You just need to love him the way that he wants to be loved. If you want to be in a relationship with him. You hear me? And this is where it gets tricky. The plot thickens here. Because we're in a relationship with God. And dude, so I've, I don't know if you've ever seen this on Facebook or not. But like, there's the people that are like, oh, it's not a religion. It's relationship. And I'm like, I don't think you understand what you're saying. Because so many times when people say it's a relationship, not a religion, they're trying to get out of something. Right? Like just justifying their behavior. Dude, you don't get away with jack squat in a marriage. You know what I mean? Can you imagine, you know, like, where were you? I don't know. You know, it's 3 a.m. You're, you know, like, you smell like alcohol. Whatever, you know. You know, it's a, it's a relationship, not a religion. You know. That's not how it works, right? You communicate. There's certain things that you just can't do in a, re- in a marriage. I'll tell you right now, my experience of seven years of marriage, I'll take a religion over a relationship any day. <laughs> Bro, a relationship is work, dude. It's, it's hard work. You can't just do whatever you want. Hey, you're in a relationship with God. He has preferences. Christian worship in a nutshell, is you listening to what he has to say, finding out what he wants, and giving him the Pinot Noir. That's, that's Christian worship, and that's what we're going to talk about today. Okay? Is that all right? All right. That was, that was my intro. <laughs> kind of a random intro. Okay. So... Ah, you know what? I'm going to show you something kind of cool. Um, 
This is my Disneyland pass. <laughs> now, it's kind of useless at the moment because Disneyland in California is closed. It's pretty sad. Uh, but I, I love Disney. My wife loves Disney. I know all the songs. You know, I've got gadgets and gizmos aplenty. I've got who's it's and what's it's galore. Thingamabobs. <laughs> but who cares? I want more, right? For me, when I go to Disneyland, every stone is sacred, right? Because I know the stories and I know the songs. And things just make sense. Like other theme parks, there's throwaways, but there's no throwaways at Disneyland because nothing's wasted on people who know the stories and the songs. Church should be a bit more magical. But sometimes in the monotony of doing church, we lose, it's like the mechanism causes you to lose. Have you ever like looked at a word? (laughs) I remember like being a kid and, and reading books and like I'd stare at the word the, and just the, 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 what does the even mean? You know, like, <laughs> it's kind of like when you're doing something, the, me- you know, the mechanism loses its, me- loses its meaning. You hear me? Like in repetition, I feel like in- the church can be like that sometimes. I-, I grew up in church. My dad's a pastor. Um, I've been a pastor's kid, you know, my-, my-, my whole life. And even in just doing church, it just, it can, it can lose. So, so the, the, the idea of this message is I, I want to like, I feel like church needs to be magical. And if we can just revisit the story and the words and the basics, then maybe we can get a bit more magic back into why we're, you hearing me? Okay, here we go. Here we go. So um, let's look at the Bible. This is important. So in Psalm 141 verse two, the psalmist is wanting to be at church but can't be at church because he's on the run for his life. He's in the wilderness and he loves God. And so right here, he, he's, he, he wants to be, specifically, he wants to be at the tabernacle. The tabernacle was basically this house that God said, if you build it, I will come, like that movie. So they build this tabernacle and the tabernacle is like, you know, God's like, I'm not showing up unless you build it exactly according to the pattern that has been shown you. So the, the tabernacle has this green room called the Holy of Holies where the Ark of the Covenant, remember the Ark of the Covenant? Remember that golden box from that movie with, with you know, Indiana Jones, right? And at the end of the movie, they open up the golden box and the Nazis' faces melt off that box. So that was God's presence on earth for a certain period of time. And so you got the Holy of Holies. Nobody's allowed to go in there. If you go in there, you, you die. Only one person once a year, the high priest, could go in. Then just outside of God's green room, that is, the, and there's this veil, is this little, um, this little table. And on that table was a bowl, uh, 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 a bowl of incense. And one of the jobs of the priests who were caretakers of the tabernacle was to keep that incense burning constantly. So in Psalm 141, we see this psalmist going, I want to be at church right now. I want to be at the tabernacle, but I'm not there. God, I want to be with you. And I feel so distant. So is there any way that my prayer could be counted as incense before you? You know, that incense right outside of your room. Like if I pray now in the wilderness, would it be like that incense that's coming before you? And God's going, yes, yes, it is. In fact, in the book of Revelations, we see that the prayers of the saints are incense that is rising before the throne of God right now. So God smells your prayers. You're never too far away from him. Isn't that cool? 
And so prophetically, the psalmist is, is praying through this. And then this next part is so cool. He says, and the lifting up of my hands as the evening sacrifice, as in I want to do stuff because I'm in this relationship with you and I want to show you that I'm in this. Like, you know, like I'm not mailing this relationship in. I want to do this stuff that pleases your heart. And I know that you've asked for sacrifices. So I want to bring the Pinot Noir. You know, like I want to give you what you've asked for, but I'm not there. I'm far away. So is there any way that this could be the Pinot Noir, right? Like, would you accept my lifted hands to you? And God's going, yes. God loves hands. I got three points today. And my first point is God loves hands or yod. The title of this talk is actually called Yod with Kabod. Yod with Kabod. Two Hebrew words. We're going to figure out what they mean. Okay? Uh, now, if you got hands, would you do me a favor? Would you just lift one of your hands to me? Just a little audience participation moment. It's going to be fun. So just hold it there. Okay. So the Hebrew word for hand is Yod. Okay? Now, could you just wave your hand like that a little bit? Just a little bit? That's perfect. Okay, great job. So that is to Yada. You can put your Yods down. Um, so to wave the hand is to yada. You've probably heard that term before, but just not in Hebrew. You've heard it probably in his English transliteration, which is Judah. Judah means praise. To, to, yad, to yad is just hand, and to yada is to wave the hand. And it means praise. So in the Hebrew mind, praise always involves the hand, right? Because it's the root word. To, it's just wave the hand, right? So... Um, God's into it, and, and it's a sacrifice that pleases the Lord. The lifting of the hands is the evening sacrifice. It pleases the Lord. God, I don't know why he's into it. It's like Jazzy and Pinot Noir. It makes no sense to me whatsoever, but it's what he likes. You hear me? Now, the writer of the book of Hebrews, the book of Hebrews is a New Testament um, uh, passage that's written to New Testament Christians, and the, the author of the book of Hebrews is going to basically copy and paste Psalm 141, and drop it in and begin to talk about how Christian worship should look like in the New Testament church. And so it goes like this, through him, Jesus, then let us continually offer up a sacrifice of praise to God. Most scholars believe that the book of Hebrews was written in Hebrew first and then translated into Greek because the Greek is so technical. Bottom line, that sacrifice of praise would read in Hebrew, the sacrifice of yada to God. That's, that verbiage is straight out of Psalm 141, verse 2. Um, that is the fruit of lips that acknowledge his name, as in the, the, you got the hands and you've got the prayers and the, and the, the worship and the, you know, the lips acknowledging God. And then we have in verse 16, do not neglect to do good and to share what you have for such sacrifices. Can you say sacrifices? sacrifices. Are pleasing to God. Now, now, hold on for a second here. Okay, New Testament church talking about sacrifices twice. Right? That's like, I don't know about you, but I, I feel like a lot of times we don't know what to do with the word sacrifice as a New Testament believer. Because didn't Jesus die once and for all? And that is the sacrifice, right, for sin? It is, okay? New Testament believers still sacrifice, but we don't sacrifice to get rid of sins. We don't sacrifice for God's approval. We sacrifice from God's approval. You hear me? See, see grace, grace is not opposed to works. It's not. It's opposed to merit. As in, like, you can earn God's favor. Can't. You can never earn God's favor. 
God's always going to be way better to you than you are to him. Right? God's going to bless you because he's good, not because you're good. Grace empowers us to work. It empowers us to sacrifice. And then on top of all that, sacrifice is your job because you're a priest. Check out this other New Testament passage, 1 Peter 2, 5. It's like, where have these passages been hiding? You yourselves, like living stones, Peter's writing to a New Testament church, okay? He said, you, you, Calvary, Miami, are living stones that are being built up as a spiritual house to be a holy, a holy, to offer up spiritual sacrifices. What the heck? (laughs) Right? Isn't that crazy? How come we don't hear about this? Well, because we don't read our Bibles. Shots fired in Miami again. (laughs) It's your job to offer spiritual sacrifices that are acceptable to God, not whatever you want, stuff that he wants. You hear me? God, God doesn't want your idea of what is good. God wants his idea of what is good. And it's literally your job, and he defines it in Scripture. Right? Hey, uh, yeah, I like hands. All right, I don't get it, though. Yeah, you don't need to. It's not important. It's important to me that you just do what I like. Right? You hearing me? To offer spiritual sight. See, it's it's your job. Um, We used to sing this song uh, at... Uh, and my dad is embarrassing, but I'm going to sing it because it's hilarious. And church should be a little bit embarrassing. You know, we need to stop sanitizing church so much. You know what I mean? It should be a little bit weird. You know what I mean? A little bit weird's good. I mean, look at me. I'm a lot bit weird. Okay, so we used to sing this song. We bring the sacrifice of praise into the house hey, of the Lord. Yeah, we used to call it. We bring the sacrifice of praise into the house of the Lord. And we offer up to you the sacrifices of thanksgiving. Horrible song. Great theology. Right? We were singing about, okay, God, we're here for you. We're, here, we're not here for us. We're here for you. And we're on duty because it's our job and our calling as a priesthood to give you the Pinot Noir. Isn't that funny? Now, here's, here's part of the problem. Part of the problem is, is that outside of Calvary, Miami, which is your job, you're a priest, outside of your job here, you're a consumer. And that's okay. It's okay to be a consumer because it's a, it's a good check and balance in society. So, for example, we all go to Applebee's and we order the appetizers, right? Okay, half up appetizers, woohoo, you know? And they bring us out, I don't know, like a blooming onion or something, and it's not cooked right and it's cold, right? So, you know, you get your Yelp review out and you're like, two stars, you know? And then the lady comes back and you're like, hey, can you like cook this thing for real? You know what I mean? And so she's like, <clears throat> you know, so then she's like, Goes out, one minute later, she brings it back, still not cooked, she has got a bad attitude, you're like one star, you know what I mean? Then you pay for this freaking thing, and she didn't even comp you anything, you know what I mean? So you're like zero stars, you go home, you leave them the worst Yelp review ever, you're loving it, right? Problem is, you come into church, and you still think that you're a consumer. And you see, at church, you're not a consumer, you're a priest, 
So you, you come in, you got your Yelp review open, and you're like, oh, they didn't sing Good, Good Father this morning, so two stars. You know what I'm saying? Right? And then like, Pastor Alex isn't preaching? I don't know who this freak is. Zero stars. You hearing me? <laughs> and see, see, we're Yelp reviewing. It's all about you. And church isn't all about you. In, in fact, it's primarily about Jesus. That, that, that's who it's about. What does a priest do? A priest's job is to minister to the Lord and to minister to others. See, you're not, you're not here for you. You're here for him and his. See, but we come in, we have these, these bad attitudes, and then we're just missing everything. And we wonder why church doesn't feel right. It doesn't feel right because you're not doing your job. You're, just, you're doing something other than what it was even designed for. It was designed for you. You are, this isn't the worship team. You are the worship team. You hear me? These guys up here, they're just facilitating your job as a priest. So in Jesus' name, do your job. Give God the Pinot Noir. God, God loves Yod. That's point number one. He loves Yod. So just give it to him. That's what he's into. And, and it's your job. So slam dunk. It's pretty easy. Why do we lift our hands? Because that's what he's into. And I'm in relationship with him. And I love him. And he's been way better than I could ever be to him. So I'm going to give him a little bit of what he wants. You hear me? All right. Next verse. So Psalm 57, 7 to 11, this is David here, and he's saying, my heart is steadfast, God. My heart is steadfast, as in I'm pumped, God. I'm, I'm, I'm ready to do this. What are we ready to do? I'm ready to sing and make melody. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to worship you, God. And then in verse 8, he says something that is whack. He says, awake my glory. Say, my glory. My glory. That's weird, because usually the Bible's always talking about God's glory, right? And then he explains what his glory is. He says, awake, O harp and lyre. Now, we know this about David. We know that, like, his, I mean, David's glory is for sure. I mean, we got his entire discography, right, the Psalms. We knew that he's an incredible multi-instrumentalist. We know that he was a choir director, and he loved, he loved music loud. He was probably Latino. <laughs> let's, let's, let's be real here, Okay. Um, he, he, his amp went to 11. Do you know what I'm saying? Um, and he's like, so David's doing his thing. And he's, he's, he's speaking to himself. He's going, God, I'm going to worship you, but I'm going to worship you with like my best, like what I'm, my vibe. You hearing me? Like my weight. So the Hebrew word for glory is kabod. Kabod. And it, we translate it into English as glory, but in the Hebrew it means weight. The idea is like this. You walk into a party, and I'm at the party, and I don't know you. So I, I lean over to the host, and I'm like, yo, who's that guy that just walked into the party? And the host is like, oh, that's Bob, and he's a mechanic, and he absolutely kills it, and he'll give you a great deal, and he can fix anything. Oh, wow. It's what you're known for. It's the reason why somebody would text you and go, hey, man, I need your help this weekend, or, or hey, can you give me some advice on this? Some reason why somebody would call you and go, dude, can you give, please help me, you know, it's, that's your, that's your kabod, it's your weight, it's what you're good at. It's kind of the highest flower of your being, it's your spark, it's your dialed inness. Your kabod can also be things that you're not even necessarily good at, but you're dialed in about. So for example, uh, there's this girl at our church in, in New York City. Her kabod at the office is administration. 
okay? She looks administrative. It's not a bad thing. It's just a look, okay? <laughs> she doesn't look like the type of person who would dance. Do you know what I mean? Like, it is what it is. So at a Christmas party, we're all hanging out, and, you know, she's there, and we're having a great time, and then her song comes on, okay? So she gets up, she starts to dance, and it was the ugliest thing I had ever seen in my life, but it was also the most beautiful thing that I'd ever seen in my life, right? Have you ever seen somebody who, like, they're not good at something, but they're just into it, and you're just like, you are scared and in awe at the exact same time? Do you know what I'm saying? That's kabod, dude. Kabod is when you are there. You're present. You're dialed in. One of the ways that I love my wife is by listening to her psychotic dreams. So my wife, I'm dead serious. My wife dreams every night, and she always remembers her dreams, which I never remember my dreams. And she, like half the time she wakes up angry at me because I was doing something stupid in her dreams, which is annoying. Because I'm like, I was sitting here minding my own business, sleeping, thank you very much. So she always waits for these opportune moments, right, to tell me about her dreams. So we're in the car, and we're driving down the road, and she'll be like, you want to hear about my dream? And I'll be like, I have a feeling I'm going to hear about your dream, you know? So I'm like, yes. So she'll be like, I was being chased by two velociraptors in Jurassic Park. And I'm like, what happened next? You know, show interest, make eye contact. Um, I'm killing it, dude. I know what's up. So, so then she comes in with more, you know. And then a T-Rex came in and started to eat the Velociraptors. And then I'm like, uh-huh. Yep. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh-huh. You know. And then she'll be like, Nathan, what are you? Right? Yeah. And God is like a woman. He knows when you're not there. I mean, dude, you cannot, you cannot get away with anything. Right? They, girls are smart, bro. They're not stupid. They remember that first date. Right? That's when you're gazing longingly, giving them all your attention. Right? Your wife fell in love with your spark and your dialed inness. Don't want to miss a day. Cause even when I dream of you, the sweetest thing I'll never do. Right? You're just like you're hanging on every word. Right? They, they, they're not, they know. They know when you're there. God knows when you're there. So you can be giving God all the yod you want, but when there's no kabod, he's like, yeah. You, you know, you, you can't mail in a, a relationship with a woman. They sooner or later find out. God knows from the start. And there's disconnection in our, in our, in our, in our worship many times. Where, okay, you might be giving him the yod, and he wants the yod, by the way. Don't forget the Pinot Noir. You hear me? God wants yod, but he wants kabod. Right, so there's disconnect a lot of times. Where, by the way, all of your glory, your kabod, it came from Him. Any glory that you have has come from God, because there is no glory except for His glory. Right. So, for example, you're, you're maybe you have an ability. You're smart with money. You're strategic. You're entrepreneurial. God's given you that. That came from Him. Right. But in your worship, there's disconnection. So you can give Him yod, but you're you've cut Him out of the kabod. And God's going, oh, I want your heart. 
I want your heart. I want everything that I've given you. I want to be included in it. Dude, in my relationship with my wife, joint bank accounts, baby. <laughs> Scares me. <laughs> That's real. She's got the credit card, yo. She's got my access code. It's not good. But that's marriage. That's a relationship. You hearing me? And you are in a relationship with God. Or there can be a disconnection in our relationship in terms of maybe some of you, your kabod is articulation. You're so brilliant. And, and, and man, if, I, if there was somebody here that was super discouraged, you could go over to them and just encourage them. Maybe write them a letter and just a beautiful letter, just encouraging them. But in your worship at times or in your prayer, it's like you don't, you don't even talk to God like that. God wants Yod, but he wants Kabod. You hearing me? Okay. Point number one, God wants Yod. Point number two, God wants Yod with Kabod. Point number three, when you give God Yod with Kabod, you get God with Kabod. This, this, this is, and I'll just break this down. Where's the band at? Come up, band. You guys done your card, your poker game back there? It's disgraceful. <laughs> just in the green room, smoking cigarettes, playing cards. It's horrible. Horrible. You all smell like tobacco. Um, I'm joking. Um, so, when we when we have um, when I when I bring home the Pinot Noir, and I'm giving Jasmine my dialed inness and my spark, right? You hearing me? I get Jasmine's kabod. Hello, <laughs> that kabadi. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Exactly. That's how it works, right? You, so you, you're showing that I'm in this relationship. I'm paying attention to you, and, and I, I'm loving you the way that you want to be loved, and I'm, I'm listening, and I'm dialed in, right? Intimacy begets intimacy. There are so many Christians that think that they can mail in a relationship with God, and then they wonder why things just feel so mechanical. It, your relationship with God's not meant to be like that. It's meant to be dynamic. You're meant to be conscious and aware and experience God's presence in a powerful way. But when you mail it in, he's faithful to not show up. He's so faithful to not go to places that he's just not wanted. It's not that he can't show up. It's just that, you know, Jesus wouldn't show up in places that he wasn't wanted. We see it in the New Testament. It's not that he couldn't do miracles in Nazareth. It's just that he wouldn't. He tends to show up in places where he's invited. You hearing me? James says this in James chapter 4. Here's, 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 here's another great point from the Bible. Pretty important to have that Bible there. Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Now, he's already drawn near. God was the one that was initiating in the garden. You hearing me? God is already drawn near, but God wants you in this relationship. And while God is omnipresent, his glory is not omnipresent. God can show up in a meaningful and powerful and tangible way in your life. And he's faithful to show up wherever he's wanted, 
wherever we've prepared the space for him. That's the whole point of the tabernacle. Prepare the right space the way that he wants it and he'll show up in fire. You hearing me? Draw near to God and he'll draw near to you. Then James gets into the Yod and Kabod language. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Cleanse your Yod. As in, you know, so how, how do I do that, God? How do I cleanse my hands and purify my heart? Give it to the Lord. What is given becomes holy. Right? The 10% that you give sanctifies the 90. That's how that works. When you, you know, how did we make something holy in the, in the Old Testament? You gave it. You know, the firstborn was given to the Lord. It became, the firstborn became holy. All right, how do I cleanse my hands? Well, your hands have been building you. It's been all about you. What if your hands, you begin to see your hands as, as something given to the Lord? Lifting up holy hands. Why are they holy? Because they've been lifted up. You hearing me? God, I'm going to give this to you. I don't understand why you're into this. You know, I'm giving it to you because I love you. You've done so much for me, so I'm going to worship you the way that you want to be worshipped from now on. That's what I'm going to do. Now I get it. And, and, and God, I'm giving you my heart, my, my kabod. I'm purifying these parts of me. I mean, God, you've given me these abilities and these strategies, and you've given me time. And, Lord, I'm going to give this to you. I'm going to begin to lean into you. You know, my wife doesn't look for perfection, and God doesn't look for perfection either, but he's looking for a pulse. I'm an ADD worshiper. I'm ADD, and you know, as I'm worshiping, you know, like, you have no rival. You have no, I wonder if Liverpool's winning right now. <laughs> now and forever, sushi is my favorite. You know what I mean? And I just got to keep on coming back. You know what I mean? Sometimes we can be inconsistent with our money, right? And go, God, I'm, 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 I'm here. <laughs> I'm here this month, God. I'm here with this paycheck. I'm here. I want to be faithful to you. I want to be in this relationship. I want to show you that I'm here. You hearing me? I'm going to end with this. There's this principle in the Old Testament. You can look at every single example where God asks for a certain sacrifice. Okay, so I want you to build this altar. I want you to build it with this type of wood. I want it to look like this, and I want you to put this on this altar. When people prepare the sacrifice that is acceptable to God, God always shows up every single time. And when they don't, he doesn't show up. He's faithful to his word. Now, the point is this, that every acceptable sacrifice has a divine response. Every acceptable sacrifice has a divine response. Every acceptable sacrifice has a divine response. Church can be like Disneyland, dude. It's a little bit magical. You hearing me? Because we understand why we're doing what we're doing. You see, every acceptable sacrifice has a divine response. So as a worshiper now, when I come into the presence of, of God, like, I can't wait to get my hands up. And I can't wait to put my money in the offering plate. Because every acceptable sacrifice has a divine response. I know that if I'm giving him what he's asked for, he is going to respond with fire. And I don't know where it's going to be. I don't know when it's going to be because even, you know, like I don't always know where God is working in my life, but I know that he's working in my life, especially when I'm giving him what he's asked for. You hearing me? So there's this fresh confidence that every believer can have that God, I know this is what you want from me. And God, I know that you're not looking for perfection. You're just looking for a heart that will understand what you want, not project onto you and give you glory. So God, whatever glory I have, I'm going to stir it up. 
I'm going to stir up my glory, my kabod. There is not going to be a disconnection in my worship, but I'm going to worship you in spirit and in truth because you deserve all glory. You deserve all praise. You are high and lifted up. There's nobody like you. Nobody deserves my admiration like you do. So God, I repent. I repent of mailing my relationship in. And I want to be somebody who's faithful. Come on, if that's you today, look, I want, I want to do something. I want to give you the right to cross over a line in your worship today. In places where, you know, the Holy Spirit's speaking to you. But in places where there's been disconnection, I want to just set you free to worship God today. In spirit and in truth, in places where there's, you know, those areas of disconnect. The Holy Spirit's got his, his highlighter. He's underlining and circling places in your life right now. You don't need me to be shouting at you. know. But I just want to set you free right now. Because see, freedom is for worship. You know, the, the Lord set the children of Israel free to worship in the wilderness. God sets us free to worship him. Some of you, you've been bound in Jesus' name, I set you free to worship. Some of you, you thought that church was about you. I set you free. You're free from that in Jesus' name. From now on, you're a priest and you're on duty when you're here. You know, you understand this is not for me, this is for you. And yes, paradoxically, those who refresh others will themselves be refreshed. But God, I am here to worship you. And some of us, we need to repent. As in like, God, I've been inconsistent. And, and may, if just life has been about me. And Lord, I'm, I'm see, repentance is just agreeing with God. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I've been wrong about this. But more importantly, you need God in your life. You need his glory in your life. That's what you desperately need. What would your life look like if God Almighty began to lean into situations that you desperately need him? That you begin to feel his presence in a powerful way. Come on. Come on, right now, let's begin to just worship and just give him what he wants. 